0: And here we go! You are listening to Law & Gospel on this Rumination Thursday, July the 23rd in the year of our Lord 2020. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and with me on the phone is Wes Reimnitz. Hi, Wes.
1: Hi, Tom. How you doing?
0: I'm getting ready for a nightmare.
1: <laughs> One of those worship kind of nightmares, huh?
0: Exactly. We began this kind of series last week, and we intend to follow it for a few weeks. Last week, you showed some hymns that were inappropriate for a Christian worship service. Uh, This week, we're going to take a look at another portion of many worship services, and particularly in the readings where we're dealing with parables, A lot of parables, when they are explained by the pastor, really become part of a worship nightmare because they are misinterpreted uh, by the particular pastor or the Bible class teacher. And so we're going to try and give some insights on that uh, today. Uh, Do you ever remember doing a parable that you found later on? really had a different interpretation than you had begun with?
1: You want me to make a confession?
0: Well, I'm ready to do that because that's what happened (laughs) to
1: me. Oh, yeah. You you just grow over the years. The more you you read and the more you uh, get into the scriptures, you go, whoops, I think a bit of backtrack here a little.
0: Yeah, what happened to me was... um, Dr. James Veltz, who I consider one of the best theologians in New Testament exegesis in the world, was doing a Bible study at St. Paul the Pair for a number of years. And he was writing a commentary on Mark, and he asked if I would be willing to do his Bible study for about three months. So every now and then he would show up for the Bible study. And the one time he did, I was talking about the Good Samaritan. And I was trying to make the point that that really isn't a parable, because it's not talking about the kingdom of God. And I had used that by looking at Mark 4, verse 30. And what does Jesus say in Mark 4, verse 30? Let me quote it. And he said, to what shall we liken the kingdom of God, or with what parable shall we picture it? So I was under the delusion that every parable is a comparison of something on earth to the kingdom of God. And that's why I said the Good Samaritan wasn't a parable. And Jim came up after the class, and he disagreed with me. And upon further uh, a reflection. He had written a book, What Does This Mean?, and then he's also written the commentary on Mark and has a wonderful explanation of parables. And one of the items that he used, he went back to Aristotle, who simply said that a parable is a comparison between something that you might say and something else you might be saying. And he distinguishes between parables dealing with the kingdom and rule of God and then those that he calls everyman parables that are simply about the activity or piety of a person. And I came to realize that in my understanding of Good Samaritan, that we are to love the neighbor, that that really was a parable for every man it wasn't about the kingdom of god Uh, a good example of that is found in luke 14 verse 7 so he told a parable to those who were invited when he noted how they chose the best places saying to them when you are invited to by anyone to a wedding feast do not sit down in the best place lest one more honorable than you be invited. And he who invited you and in him come and say to you, give place to this man, and you begin with shame to take the lower place. So that really has nothing to do with the kingdom of God. It just has the kind of do with uh, morals that we have as Christians after we become a Christian. These things we need to do, and there are a whole bunch of every man parables, and therefore I was corrected on that. That when you look at the word parable, you don't immediately jump to the conclusion it's about the kingdom of God. The problem is, in many sermons, they don't ever talk about it as the kingdom of God, they always take it as morality. So, what's your initial response to parables as worship nightmares?
1: Well, first of all, I came up with 55 parables out of Matthew, Mark, and Luke.
0: Really? Did they have the word parable in each one? Okay.
1: No, it doesn't have the word parable in each one, but uh, there were 32 out of Matthew, 36 out of Luke, and 14 out of Mark, you know, you know where I got it? Luther's Study Bible.
0: Luther's Study Bible.
1: Lutheran Study Bible. Oh, yes, the Lutheran the C- Study Bible. The CP- CP- CPH took a look at. So, you know, you got a vast array of, of them to to work with. And I like your distinction of, of kingdom versus uh, every man parable, I think it makes it a little bit easier to understand when when you're going through and, and, and looking at those various parables.
0: Yeah, you don't have to force every time it says it's a parable mm-hmm. to be describing the kingdom of God. This word parable actually comes from Aristotle, where he talks about all that a parable is, is kind of a comparison between something on earth and another point that you're making. So, for example, uh, one of the ideas I gave in the Bible study last week, I said, when I wake up in the morning and I see my wife, Louise, it's like the sun shining in the room. Mm -hmm. Now, number one, she's not the sun, but the comparison is it really makes me happy to see that she was able to get up uh... we're still married and we're living together and all this sort of stuff so it has nothing to do with the kingdom of god but it still is a comparison and what jesus does uh... he gives parables but in our study did you notice that there's kinda of three levels to a parable
1: Right, I I ran across that, and uh, you're going to have to explain this to me, Reverend, referring, signifies, and pragmatic?
0: Yes. What that means is most people understand the first level. A shepherd goes out to find sheep, uh, a lost one, puts it on his shoulders, carries it home. Everybody understands what Jesus is saying. Now, the second level is what is he really referring to? And a lot of people just take it as an everyman parable that a good shepherd will be out looking for the sheep, and if the sheep is wounded or something, will be willing to carry it back home. And that's what they think is the comparison. That's the second level. But the third level is the level that Jesus really is referring to. And you find that by taking a look at the figures in the parable. You've got a shepherd. You've got sheep. You've got going home. The the sheep is lost. And then you say, okay, what does Jesus mean by a lost sheep? To whom is he referring? And what would you answer to that, Wes?
1: Well, the lost, lost sheep would be us, and, it, and he has found us.
0: Exactly. It's about not us witnessing. I've heard that as an explanation, that we're to go out and find the lost sheep. No, it's not us, and what we are to do is really not about witnessing. It's about justification how you were justified and brought into the family of God. And the problem is many people don't understand that third level. The world never understands the third level. And that's really important to understand. Like in Mark chapter 12, Jesus does a parable uh, against the Pharisees. And what is interesting is what Mark 12, and I believe it's verse 12. After he talked about the wicked vine dressers, verse 12 says, And the Pharisees sought to lay hold on him, but feared the multitude, for they knew he had spoken the parable against them. Now, see, they knew that that parable was a negative understanding of the Pharisees, but they did not understand what they had done wrong, because it was only to those of faith that can understand the full parable.
1: Now, you know, as we discuss this with the parables, would we say that in each of the parables, Jesus, it centers on Jesus?
0: If you're talking about a kingdom parable, hmm. that's correct. And a parable is kind of like an extended metaphor. He uses words, but they're really talking about something else. Now, for example, in his kingdom parables where he talks about a vineyard, the vineyard stands for Israel the harvest is the day of judgment birds are the gentiles the word king refers to god or jesus marriage when he talks about that is the beginning of the messianic age and the field equals the word world a lot of times jesus begins the parable A man went out to sow seed and that word a man refers to Jesus or God and sowing means spreading the word of the reign and rule of God by preaching and the seed can change its meaning in the parable of the sower the seed is the word of God that falls on different kinds of people Whereas in the next parable, the seed are the believers, and weeds, which are unbelievers, get planted by the enemy. So you really need to be careful in looking at a parable to see that the words have a similar meaning. But all of them are extended metaphors, and that's really important.
1: An Extended metaphor is, again,
0: simply taking the words that you're using and applying it on a spiritual realm. That's the third level. Um, in fact, we've got a parable uh, coming up this Sunday, and you're well acquainted with this one, about a man who finds treasure in the field, and he goes and sells all that he has in order to buy that field. Now, if you go to Google and look up that parable, 90% of the interpretations is kind of the following. The kingdom of heaven is so precious that you as a Christian ought to be willing to give up everything for the kingdom of heaven. And a lot of time that means you really want to stop sinning in order that you might possess the kingdom of heaven. Do you notice how that interpretation is work righteousness?
1: Yes, yeah, that's what I was writing down to reply to. It's, it's very much uh, what can we do to, to inherit the kingdom of heaven by our works, by what we have done.
0: Whereas in reality, what? Is the parable of the person who found treasure in the field really referring to
1: who well, was there the person who
0: found the would, treasure?
1: Yeah, the the man would would be Jesus who has yes. found the treasure, and that and that treasure is is every human being that that he has died on the earth for their forgiveness.
0: A totally different meaning. And very few commentaries have that correct. I got that correct interpretation from one of the professors at Concordia Seminary St. Louis. And since then, in asking the other professors, they all agreed with that interpretation. Because that's what scripture, interpreting scripture means, that Jesus is the one who finds us the treasure, and what does, it says, and he's willing to sell all that he has. How did Jesus do that?
1: Well, he, he gave up his very life uh, on the cross. Yeah. Uh, just everything. You know where I first heard the the correct interpretation? No. A long gospel.
0: Well, once I heard that, I, I kept using it. And it's, by the way, the first lesson in adult instruction i have because it's Mm. a beautiful example of distinguishing law and gospel you don't read the parable to see what we have to do to be saved you read the parable to see what jesus has done in order to save us and so it was a wonderful explanation of the distinction between those who think you're saved by obeying some kind of law, in contrast to those who realize you're saved by grace, through faith, on account of Jesus Christ.
1: And isn't that wonderful, comforting good news that, that, the, that the pastor brings in the sermon, when he's able to, to, to discern that, like like with this treasure in the field to bring to them that there wasn't anything we could do. We, we can quit this uh work righteousness craze that's out there that I gotta find Jesus or I accepted Jesus in my life, that God's already out there doing it and he's the one that found us.
0: With your ministry over the years, I'm sure you met with the elderly and shut ins as I did they're near death and they're a little worried because they know that they're sinners. And that kind of a parable is what really brings them comfort to know that the death of Christ forgave their sins, which means they're no longer held accountable for pain for their sins.
1: I've seen them where they're on their deathbed and they've, they've waited till. The pastor came till I came and, and and you know presented a gospel lesson such as that or gone through you know forgiveness of sins and their confession and that uh, Jesus has died upon the cross for them and and uh, moments after I've left or right there at the at the bed they, they uh, are taken away into heaven.
0: Yes. Um, Even better is when you have been working with a shut-in prior to that, I went to one shut-in who was going to die that night. She was in hospice, a former Sunday school teacher of mine, and I wasn't sure what I was going to say to comfort her, but as I went up to the bed, I said, hi, it's Pastor Tom. She looked up and she said, Pastor Tom, I'm going home, mm. and that meant that she had understood the distinction between law and gospel.
1: Right, or you go into into a hospital room where where the kids have moved away, and they, they've come home to, to to help out the mother or father that's in ICU and slowly passing away, and you walk in. And as a pastor, the the, the person said, this is my pastor who tells me the good news.
0: Yes. So what we're warning our listeners about is when they hear a sermon about a parable or a Bible study, first of all, figure out whether the preacher understands the parable as about the kingdom of God, or if he understands it as an everyman parable just giving us insight, like, for example, when you go to a wedding, don't take the best seats and this sort of thing. And there's a lot of parables uh, like that. In, in Luke 6, verse 39, uh, Jesus it even says, this is a parable, what he's about to do. Uh, Luke six thirty-nine. Uh let me read that to you. And he spoke a parable to them, and the blind lead the blind; will so they not both fall into the ditch? So there's an example of an every man's parable. It Doesn't really have anything to do with the kingdom of God, it could say, Well, there are some pastors out there who are really blind to the word of God. Wouldn't
1: that be appropriate? Right. You're a little distant uh, in in the
0: Hello?
1: reception there. Did I lose you? Are you still there? Yeah. Luis. you You with me? Is this the second kingdom of coming here? Uh, having a mechanical disruption here for the moment. Okay, if yeah, Yeah, what uh, happened? Uh, is the my panel. Both, uh, both of you are and on the loose.
0: So there I, we go. So I'm back on it. I was talking about a parable okay. about the blind leading the blind,
1: blind and I yes, was saying Luke that that six. wasn't
0: really a parable about the kingdom of God. As it was really a parable about every man, kind mm. of. Although
1: I think that's you a, Have
0: a a blind pastor? He can't lead even Christians.
1: <laughs> blind metaphorically? Are you talking about? Right. Now that's
0: Wednesday on Long Gospel, Walter makes a big distinction between Lutherans and what he called the Reformed that the Reformed Churches, and we're talking about Presbyterians, Methodists, Baptists, they tell you what you have to do in order to be saved. And so they would interpret these parables as a way of what you have to do that God would then recognize you as savable and bring you in order to be saved.
1: Right. So, well. And I think that's a great distinction that we're, that we're making this morning on this between every man parable and Jesus as the kingdom, and who who and especially who's doing the work. Are we doing the work, or is God doing the work?
0: Exactly. Now, that distinction also comes from Dr. James Veltz. Um, one of the best commentaries written is that on the Gospel of Mark. And Jim has a section on parables, and then of course he goes through the entire Gospel of Mark. And every time I read that, I come up with all kinds of things that I really didn't know. It's really great. Well, I
1: think that makes, yeah, I think that makes a big difference with with him. You know, he was my Greek teacher. Yeah. He, me, well, he was my best friend.
0: Greek. We would go out and play bridge together, and uh, my wife would work at St. Mary's Hospital, and then we'd go over there, and she'd make us cheeseburgers and stuff. <laughs> it was really great. <laughs> and so I really miss those days. It was um, James Belt and Jim Bolhagen and Dean Wenthe. We were all okay. together uh, at the same. I- I'm sure you have some good Remembrances of that also.
1: Right, they were all teachers of mine at the seminary.
0: Well, on tomorrow's law and gospel, I may continue with some of this, giving some examples of every man parables as well as parables of the Kingdom of God with a proper in interpretation. God bless. gift ...to Law and Gospel. Please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll free 1-877-267- 1962.